So a couple weeks ago, um, I was talking about the calling of Jesus. That Jesus calling, we talked about who Jesus was called to come and what he was called to come and do and fulfill. And so this morning, Justin asked me to talk about, well, who is Jesus? And, And when I talk about who is Jesus, I want to take this calling who, who, who Jesus, his name, his purpose as the Messiah. Um, um, as a matter of fact, the, who Jesus is, his calling and who he is, is really, really quite simple. And, and it's on the opening pages of John, the book of John, because John actually says it. This is real simple. John chapter 1, verse 29. The prophet John said this. The next day he saw Jesus. This is John coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Who is Jesus? I want to make it really, really simple for you. Okay? This is exactly, these aren't my words. This is John. This is the cousin of Jesus, pregnant with, pregnant as a born at the same time as Jesus. Born on, with the intention of actually paving the way for Jesus to come. His whole calling, John's whole calling was to make this announcement. At the right season and time, John sees Jesus coming and he says these words, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. For those of us who have met Jesus and know Jesus, this means a lot. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is who Jesus is. This is also Jesus' calling. And it is as deep and as rich and as fulfilling it is. It is also extremely confusing and vexing. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now I want you to know, for a first century individual, this is going to mean something. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. All the way back into the Old Testament, we have this, this, this annual celebration called the Passover going all the way back to Exodus where the lamb is slain and the blood is taken and put over the doorposts and quite simply if this blood is not on the doorposts when the angels come by the oldest in the house is killed life is taken the blood protects the household all right. So in this first century, when John speaks, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This means something. It turns heads. Who is this? Our whole lives have been crafted around this moment that we celebrate year after year after year. We go to the temple. We make this sacrifice to remember what God has done for us, to remember his covenant, remember his promise. And so when Jesus comes on the scene and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, this means something. Fast forward 21 centuries. I think my math there is right. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Doesn't quite have the same zeal. Go down to the mall. Apparently, this is the place to go nowadays. (laughs) And I love how everything ties together. 
I couldn't write a better script for the morning. <laughs> Go down to the mall. Stand on a bench. Behold the Lamb of God who takes, the sin, who takes away the sin of the world. No one will care. Jesus could be standing there, walking past, and no one will care. They're going to look at you, and they're going to think you're crazy. So here's when we're talking about Jesus and who Jesus is. Here's the declaration. Behold the Lamb of God. Who is Jesus? But we need to talk about something very, very important this morning. And it's sin. It's sin. See, the reason why the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is no longer important because we no longer believe sin is important. We no longer, we want Jesus, but we don't want Jesus, but we don't want, we want Jesus to help us, but we don't want it, we, but we don't want Jesus. We, we, we want Jesus' help, but we don't want to talk about sin. But I want you to know that the number one thing the primary thing that Jesus came to do was to cover sin. So we, um, you guys know, we moved. If you're just tuning into this story, I'll be talking about us moving for a whole year. And if I'm a really good communicator, I'll drag it out for the next five. But this past week, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we had the electricians in. And I say electricians, I mean plural. So when we bought the house, we went throughout the house. And let's just say, is wonky a word? This house is wonky. We've been in the house a month and a half. And and, and we knew this was a problem. When you come into the house, there is not a single light switch in this house which operates what it's supposed to operate. I am not kidding you. Right? If you want the front lights on, it's like solving a Rubik's Cube. There's four, there's four light switches here. One, no, two, no, three, four. Not only do they have to all be in the right position, you have to do it in the right order. It can take you 15 minutes to go to bed at night just to get your outside lights on. I'm not kidding you. So much so that if we wanted our garage light on, you can see I'm pretty upset about this. <laughs> So much so, if you want your garage, our garage lights, you have to go upstairs to the upstairs bathroom, turn on the main light, and now complete the circuit to the garage. And it wasn't, well, it wasn't done by an electrician. It was a wonderful DIY. And this is going to go back to everything, my friends. Because of sin, we think you're, you think your life's a DIY. Wow. Because of sin, you think you don't need an electrician. You think that you can do it yourself. You think that you can wire your life in such a manner to get by quite fine, to get by okay. And you will find yourself walking up and down stairs to turn on lights, to flip switches. It's really just a huge waste of time because you have no idea what you're doing. Now, it gets worse, which, by the way, this was... This was many rooms throughout our, our entire house. You should have saw us. The, the electrician was done, and, and we just said, you know, hey, guys, we don't even know what this switch does. I mean, you know, just, you know, after three days, and they come back, oh, here you go. This is what it does. That's amazing. 
This light switch actually turns on those those electrical outlets up there. I don't know why we'd want them, but it works. You know, we're like so excited. We had, hold on, Ken. We had six electricians come in our house over three days. And one actually named Nick, peculiarly enough, which they found most humorous because whenever he was around, all the other workers, all their tools disappeared. Very funny. Here's my point. We've been in this house for a month and a half. Two things have happened. One, we dealt with the dysfunction so long, it seemed pointless to actually bring in an electrician. We got used to going up and down the stairs to go out into the garage. Garage, for those of you who are local. <laughs> we got used to not using the light switches that don't work. We got used to it just being what it is, as it is. And the reason why we don't care about sin anymore is because we've all just adapted to it and said it's just okay. Whoa. We just accept it. <clears throat> I can get enough light on to see. I can get around. I can make do. And slowly what happens in our lives is we just simply start saying, well, do I really need Jesus? <clears throat> And the second thing was this, <clears throat> after they fixed everything, it actually takes time. Because of the bad habits that we've created, it actually takes time to actually fully utilize things as they were designed to be. We walk past switches that never worked, so why would, why would we use them now? We now have switches that turn on lights and you literally have to like use it. You actually have to choose to use it to get used to it. You have to choose to use it. If you're actually going to understand its capability, if you're actually going to enjoy the blessing of it, you have to choose to use it. Why do I say this? Because the calling of Jesus is nothing without us choosing to follow him. Now, that's a bit untrue. It's a bit untrue. It's only true for those of us who choose to not choose Jesus. Because even though we don't choose Jesus, I want you to know, even if you do not choose Jesus, that in no way or manner reduces his capacity to take away the sin of the world. It just reduces our capacity to enjoy it. Whether or not you ever flip the switches in your house does not eliminate the power and the, and the electrical current behind it. It just means you don't get to use the light. So when we're talking about Jesus this morning, we're talking about the calling of Jesus. I want to talk about the choice that Jesus brings us. Who Jesus is, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus comes <clears throat> into the world. And I believe it's in Luke. 
might also be in Matthew. I, I think Luke, Justin, you can help me out here. Where, where Jesus, I think it's Luke, Jesus goes into the wilderness. And this is the, at the very crux, the very, sorry, the very beginning of his ministry. Those of you will recall. And, and the evil one, Satan himself, takes him, comes to him and tempts him three times. And puts before him and is calling a choice. You guys recall this? Three times. Even Jesus himself was forced to choose whether he was going to carry out and respond to his calling and the calling that his father put on him. A calling is nothing without our choice to step into that calling. And Jesus modeled this for us in coming to that choice. And I want to flesh this out because this is the very next thing that happens. This is the very, very first thing that happens, right? I read this, I read this two weeks ago. I'm just going to give a snapshot on it again before I jump over into, into John 6. But John chapter 1, verse 35, this is, this is the same chapter, just, uh, just uh, passages away from when, when John says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In verse 35, the header is Jesus calls the first disciples. And he says this in verse 35. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, and said Behold, he says it again, Behold the Lamb of God. I'm going to add who, who takes away this in the world. Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. The first essential point that we need to learn that if we're going to be if we're going to be following Jesus, my friends, we have to be looking for him. Behold the Lamb of God. We have to be looking for him. We have to be speaking out his name. We have to be pointing him out to others. Dawn this morning. My friends with Meetup. All right, we get together and we. Astronomers. What did, what did Dawn say to us? Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. Right? Aaron, this morning, speaks about her daughter. And what did she say? Behold the Lamb of God. Even in the, in the music that Sarah picks this morning. What is she singing? Behold the Lamb. That is why we gather together as a church. To point out to each other over and over and over again. As soon as I bump into Dave Seifrey in the morning. Behold the Lamb of God. Right? When these words drift out of our soul, the rest of it will never follow who takes away the sin of the world. See, I'm going to tell you that I think they go together. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Continuing. Jesus turned, this is verse 38. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. My friends, 
this is, when we're talking about who is Jesus, we can't only talk about his calling, we also have to talk about our choice. See, Jesus gives each and every one of us a choice to follow him. And it begins with this, 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 this simple thing. What are you seeking? What are you looking for? And Jesus is very bold with it. What, what are you looking for? Maybe they're just looking for the new 55-inch television down at Walmart. Well, here, let me give you directions. And Jesus will give you directions. Jesus is in no way or form going to trick any of us to follow him. What are you looking for? But I love their response. I love Jesus' invitation. He says, come and you will see. See, Jesus pushes back to us. He declares who he is. He shows, his, he shows us his hands and his feet. He shows us who he is. And he says, come and see. I was, I don't know if the elders got this text, um, but I, I shared this just, uh, I guess it was yesterday. I was driving around town and I was driving past a, a church in Lancaster City. And, and there's this church of, apparently called the Way of Jesus. And on the sign, uh, on their marquee sign, it says the Way of Jesus. Work hard and be nice. And I said, well, that's great, for a mar- that's great for a marquee, but that's not the way of Jesus. You are so missing the way of Jesus. Work hard, be nice. That sounds American to me. That sounds American to me. Work hard, be nice. See, Jesus is, is here, and, and, and this declaration and his purpose has been made, and he simply says, come and see, and he offers back. The invitation and the choice. And see, this is, I just want to be honest, because this is, when someone says, come and see, the choice is placed back on us whether or not we're actually going to do that. But we only actually follow and seek out things that we desire. See, this is like the wrong thing. Jesus would say, well, what are you seeking? Oh, we're seeking the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Oh, great. That's me. Here you go. Right, give them something. You know, you, you ever ever have any of those like like uh, scavenger hunts, like around town, where you have to drive, you have to get like maybe maybe little cards, a card from Starbucks, or you know something from Chick Fil A, and they have to drive all over town and get all these little things. Well, what are you seeking? Well, I'm seeking I'm seeking a, a a cup holder from Starbucks. Oh, great! Here you go. What are you seeking? Jesus gives them nothing, and he gives them everything. He gives him a choice that says, come and see. Jesus requires, if we're going to see and understand who he is, we have to follow him up close. We can't follow Jesus from a distance. If we want Jesus to change our lives, we have to follow him up close. Remember Peter? Up close, Peter had no intention of denying Jesus. But at a distance, he denied him every time. I'm guilty. Sin. So so Jesus says, come and see, come close, walk with me, listen to me, because what I want to give you is all of me. I don't want to give you a little Jesus trinket. 
I want to give you all of who I am. I want you to come and see. Let me jump over to, to John 6. Because this is going to be one of those instances of, of Jesus declaring who he is and people following and this choice being granted back. John 6 says this. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the sea, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Verse 3. Jesus went up on the mountain. And there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that the large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for all these people, even just to get a little. Then one of his disciples Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, Hey, there's a boy over here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. I'm going to pause there. People are following Jesus because they've caught wind. Now listen, I we're going to talk. If you read it, this passage, we have... 5,000 individuals, and the Bible speaks of, I've heard many, many different um, explanations of this, as I know you have as well, 5,000 men is what they're, they're saying, but, but during this, this period of time, they wouldn't have counted women and children, right? So it's possible that there's actually up to 10,000 people in this crowd. Now, strange things happen when you're in crowds, all right? I don't think all 10,000 people, or even 5,000, if you want to minimize it, I don't think they've all seen these signs of Jesus at all. I think some have, and the rumors are beginning to spread. Did you hear what this guy did? Did you hear what this guy did? We got to check this out. Come on, let's go. Come on, let's go. Right? And, and all before you know, all these people are there. And John's there with Philip, the same one who says, come and see. Why does Jesus call on Philip? Philip, these people are hungry. Philip, what should we do? Jesus is asking Philip what we should do. Does anyone see the irony of this moment? True, yes. Right? You ever feel like maybe Jesus is asking you what to do? I do all the time. See, it's, it actually, so often I miss it. Right? I just want Jesus to tell me what to do yeah. so I can kind of do that. Easier. But see, Jesus didn't come to for us. Jesus didn't come, move to, the, move to the cross, the grave, death, burial, and resurrection to just tell us what to do. He came to live his life through us to bring us back to life, to live in the same resurrection that he overcame, that he gives us. So in him, he lives and moves and breathes through us. So, so he asks this question, what, what should we do? So they're like saying, what would Christ do? When you ask that person that question, like, what would Christ do? If you believe in Christ, you should already know what to do. I think, I think that's where we begin. But when we're in Christ and we become one with Christ, we just are Christ. We carry out Christ in the world. Second, well, first nature, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right, right? 
See, sometimes I think many of us get so paralyzed in our lives because we don't know what to do. Well, Jesus isn't telling me what to do. Uh, Have you chosen to follow him? I have. Are you choosing to live your life in a way that that, that his love and his glory is the essence of, of your entire purpose, your calling? Is it your choice? It is. Then go do. Go live and move and breathe. Go serve. Go love. And this is this is great because because you know Phillips, well, Philip goes goes to his pocketbook, right? He goes to his wallet. Woo! Jesus, this is too big of a financial matter for me. Where's Judas? All right, this is. I don't have enough money. We don't have enough money. How are we going to fundraise for this one? Right? He goes to where we typically go. Maybe I can outsource it. Right? I, I heard Chick-fil-A delivers. But uh, there, isn't, there, isn't, there isn't a Chick-fil-A within, uh, within driving distance. Right? So we can't do Chick-fil-A. And we, all, and we don't have enough money for, all the, for Chick-fil-A for everyone. And then there's Andrew. Right? <clears throat> I don't, think, I don't think Andrew was so excited. I don't think Andrew was like, oh, hey, 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 five loaves, two fishes. I don't think he was like so prideful that he solved the problem. Look what I found. I think it was more like taking inventory. Well, I got a couple loaves and fishes over here. You know, as, the, as, as Peter probably looks at him, this is just me, right? If I'm there, I'd be like, you're you know, if that's your brother, he's like, you're an idiot. Right? You can see the scowl coming over like, like Philip's face. Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, exactly. Right? And even Andrew is like, I know, but, you know, at least I saw you didn't see the, the kid. You know, meanwhile, meanwhile, the little boy's like shifting. Like, I got to get out of here. You know, they're going to they're going to mug the eight year old who has some food, you know? This is Jesus is like there's like so much energy and excitement in this story, you know, so much drama unfolding. And Jesus says, go, go get it. Which I just want to point out. I think the brilliance in the story is actually the willingness, willingness of the kid to share it. So here's the application. Right. When you don't know what to do, if you love Christ, you can trust what you love. If Christ's love is in you, then let his love pour out into others. If your desire is, is for Christ, you can trust your desires. If you're passionate about Jesus, you can trust what you're passionate about. Right? Um, Sarah, love life. She's presenting these, these opportunities for us to partner, for us to, to go. And I love how the video says, you know, and they're, they're opening this, 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 this center here in Lancaster. And, and the video said, these are some of the darkest places in the world. But when you get used to sin, you can drive by every day and have, have, not have any idea. We just get used to sin. We just don't flip the switch. We just drive past it. Because we're still seeking Jesus to, to, to really fill us with his desires, to really fill us with his heart. So, yes, if we, if we desire Jesus, we can trust our desires. But at the same time, when you don't know what to do, 
God's not, Jesus isn't absent-minded, right? Here's Peter. Here's Andrew. I'm probably more like Peter and Andrew in this story on a daily basis than I am really knowing what to do, right? I, I'm really not the one who's, who's quick to be like, ha, 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 you know, elbow on the other, the other disciples, leaning back, watch this, right? Watch this. What do you mean watch this? Watch what Jesus is going to do. What's he going to do? I don't know, but watch this. See, this is so early in Jesus' ministry that they're still choosing to follow Jesus. Remember, Jesus said, come and see, come and see. Most of us right now in our lives on a daily basis are still in the come and see. Let's be honest. Come and see. This is what Jesus says. It's okay. I don't know what you want me to do, Jesus. I don't know what I'm waiting for, but I'm here to see. I've come and I'm waiting to see. Most of us run off before we even get to see Jesus accomplish what he wants to accomplish. Continuing on, verse 11, Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them who were seated, but also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Now, I want you to know, if I'm the eight-year-old, I'm in my glory because that belongs to me. I'm taking all that home, and I'm going to tell everyone who Jesus is. Imagine the mom. Those of you who have kids, you ever have, have your kids come, come home with more than they went to school with? It's happened to me. I once, I once went to, a, at the age of 12, I went to a baseball game. My mom gave me five bucks. After the baseball game, I was, I, I, was, I guess I was this little entrepreneur, but I rushed to the front of the line as soon as we got to the McDonald's after the game. And knowing my teammates in their honorary selves, I used my five bucks to buy all the hamburgers. Turn around. This is when hamburgers were five bucks. Sorry, this is when hamburg- hamburgers were 50 cents. Now they're like five bucks, right? You're thinking like, how can you go to, I can go to McDonald's and buy anything with five bucks. I went to the front of the line and I, and I used my five bucks to buy as many hamburgers as I could. And I turned around and I sold them all of my friends for a dollar each. <laughs> I went home. I was full. And I doubled my money. My mom said, what did you do? I said, it was a miracle. Right? This boy going home. I mean, who cares about the bread at this point? Right? But I guarantee you, I guarantee his mom heard about it. I bet his mom believed that day. I would. Who, who, who is this man? I sent you. Do you have any idea how hard it is to get food for this many people? Do you have any idea? what? I mean, the little boy barely has enough, right? Where in the world? This, this is such a miracle during this time. Most of us don't need God for food anymore, right? We don't need Jesus for our food. The more that we become a self insisting self-provisional society, the less and less we think we need Jesus, right? Sin's not an issue. I don't need Jesus for my sin. I, I can, you know, I'm getting by okay. I have this and that. See, Jesus feeds them, not so that they, not so that they can be fed, but he feeds them so that they can know that he 
is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let me explain. Jump over to, it actually says that in, in John, John 6, 14. This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. But jumping down to John 6, 16, let me go a little bit further. When evening came, the disciples went to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Excuse me. I need to point this out because I think this is so, so remarkable. Verse 21 again. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Or they were so distracted by what was going on in their lives around them that they were, had, they were not aware of how this experience unfolded. So I don't know about you, but in my life, I think what this passage is saying, this passage is showing to us what Jesus is capable of if we choose him. If we focus on him. So the first illustration I give you is here they are. They are caught up in the wind. They are caught up in the sea. They are caught up by this ghost. And as soon as Jesus comes, it, it's all over. They were, they arrived to where they were intending to go. Because Jesus brings with him the calmness. Jesus brings with him the intention. Jesus brings with him the purpose. Jesus brings with him the peace. Have you ever been in those moments? I, I, I know some of you have. That you're actually in those moments that your, your life seems like chaos. God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how we're going to get these bills paid. I don't know what we're going to do. About, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know. And, this, and the storms are going. And sometimes... Jesus' solution is simply in him just showing up. That in his peace, you just, in finding him, in his presence, you are where you need to be. The, he is the resolve in and of itself. The scriptures say... <clears throat> Hold on, I'm reaching for it. It's not going to come to me. Peace. Jesus is peace. Jesus brings with him and delivers peace. See, sometimes in our lives, I think we get so afraid that we are drifting off course, that we get so afraid that, that in the midst of the trials, in the, midst of the, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the blowing sea, when Jesus is with us, we always end up in the right place. We will always end up in the right place. If you are with Jesus, you're not lost. Is our comfort in our form. You are not lost. Paul says it, right? He works out all things. He works out all things for the good for those who love him. If you're struggling this morning, 
if you're in the midst of, of what feels like turbulence and chaos, if you're with Christ, you're not lost. You're not lost. Isn't that a, a, a remarkable thing to ponder? So I was, I was chatting with, with Kareem this morning, and, and I think this is such a great point. I think sometimes we get so focused on the storm that we actually get angry at Jesus. Because Jesus shows up, and, and, and Jesus joins us in the storm. And I love this passage. It says, well, they, they just arrived at where they were. just kind of seems like teleportation. Like, whoa, you know, this just kind of happened. But I think some of us get mad at Jesus because even though Jesus is with us, we haven't accepted the fact that we can trust Jesus. We actually begin to have this argument that, that maybe I care more than Jesus does. Why isn't Jesus calming the storm? See, another, another reality is when you're in the storm, it always seems to last forever. Doesn't it? Always. You can be in a trial for, for 30 seconds. And there's something about the way energy and hope and faith and love drains from us that have you ever felt hopeless for just 30 seconds? Right? But it never feels that way. When you're hopeless, you, you, you are without life. You are just drained. You are empty. You are scared. And fear and shame and guilt just has such a weight on it that it just seems like it's going to last forever. And I don't know about you, but even when Jesus is present, we can hold on to that with a stronger grip than we hold on to Jesus. I don't know how long Jesus was with them in the boat. It doesn't say. All I know is that when they accepted who Jesus was, they were where they were supposed to be. That's what it says. Maybe they drifted for another hour. Maybe they... Maybe they were, were in the turbulence. It was when they recognized who Jesus was that they knew that they were where they were supposed to be. Verse 22. What did you say? No, maybe. No, maybe. Immediately. But we have to choose Jesus. Immediately. Verse 22. And we're getting there. Verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his, that his disciples had gone away. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are not seeking me. Sorry, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Verse 29, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, 
Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the man in the wilderness as it is as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. These individuals who are there among the 5,000, among the 10,000, they haven't had enough. Now, now again, I, I, I want to point this out. I think this is very, very relevant. I think there's more rumor swirling than there is, than there is miracle. If you've ever been in a large crowd, have you ever gone to a concert with like 10,000 people? Not everyone up front, right? You're not going to see everything that everyone else sees. So wherever your food, wherever that bread comes from, let's say you're at a concert, right? 10,000 people. And let's say all of a sudden you, food starts gets, gets handed out to you or treats or towels or T-shirts. I don't know. And, and everyone gets one, Right. I believe that this rumor is taking place, right? Whatever it is, you know, people are saying, well, you know, Jesus, Jesus multiplied this. Jesus, well, what? Are you sure? You know, and and now it's not rumor, but the truth is we're going to have a lot of skeptics in this multitude. What in the world is happening? I don't know. I know I have a t-shirt. It's an awesome t-shirt, right? They're in this crowd and all they know is that they've eaten something. And they are so intrigued by who this person Jesus is that they've eaten that they want to go and they want to be where he is. They are looking for him just like Philip and Andrew were. So they go and they and they seek him out. And Jesus says, quite frankly, quite directly, he, he goes right to the heart. You're not here because of the sign. You're not here because of the miracles. You're not here because of of what you hear. I did. You're here because you're hungry. You're here because you're hungry. Because even then, as you heard me read, they go on and they're like, well, show us a sign. See, See, here's the issue. Do we believe because we see? Or do we see because we believe? See, sometimes we just keep saying, you know, Jesus, show me who you are. Help me to believe. Help me to see. And what Jesus is saying, I want you to believe in me. If you believe in me, you will see all that I have for you. See, sometimes we think seeing is believing, right? That's the skeptic. Show me. Show me. But I want you to know, if you need to see to believe, you're going to miss God over and over and over and over again in your life. I was sitting back here this morning. Guys, I, I'm going to be, and I think Kareem does understand this. I, I, those of you in the room know that I, I'm an HSP. I'm a highly sensitive person. And, and, and just really spiritually, I'm sitting back here and I listen to you guys. I, I'm going to be very, very honest. I enjoy coming up here because I, I actually get to go in, into my right mind. To, to hopefully share a coherent thought with you. But what I'm hearing with you guys, my soul overwhelms. I'm, I sit back here week after week. I move to tears. God's glory in your lives overwhelms me when I'm in, in the same room with you. 
and I watch you share and I watch what God's doing in your lives, I sit back here. I'm like trying to, I literally have to hold back the tears. I cannot take it. I'm so overwhelmed. And then when I'm walking up here, it's, I'm, and I'm kind of being honest, it's almost like, you know, I like stuff it all down, you know, for like later, just kind of, kind of move it. Right. I'm not allowed to cry in public. Got to be tough. Mm-hmm. Right. Push it all down. But I am so, I am so overwhelmed by the goodness of God and what God's doing among our community and among our lives. He is real and I see him and I sense him and I believe. Right. Sometimes in our lives, we don't see because we don't believe. We go throughout our days and, and, and we miss God over and over and over again because we don't believe. And we keep saying, God, help me, help me to believe, help me to believe. If I, just, if I just see a miracle, then I'll believe. I want you to know that I've seen God do a million things over and, some, and I still struggle in my belief. You want to know why? S-I-N. Sin. I get so used to living in a house where switches don't work and I'm fine with it. Sin. So Jesus says to them, listen, you're not here. This is not a faith journey for you. You're here because you're hungry. But he uses it. And I love this. I love this. What are you hungry for in your life right now? What are you, what are you hoping will be fulfilled? What, is it a relationship? Is it a job? Is it, is it, is it, is it uh, maybe the way another person treats you? Maybe it's your own self-esteem. Maybe it's, what are you after in your life? Because when we go to Jesus with that, Jesus recognizes it and he says, I see that you're hungry. Right? We go to Jesus with the wrong question. Jesus, show me that you are the son of God. Show me that you're the lamb who takes away. Show me that you can do something to help me. And Jesus just says, you're not really here for that. You're here because you're hungry. So let me show you what you're really hungry for. You're really hungry to be forgiven. You're really hungry to be complete. You're really hungry to be whole. And Jesus points to himself. And he says, don't, don't chase after things in this world that are going to fill you momentarily. Don't chase after your, 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 your physical health. These are good things, by the way. Please don't run out to McDonald's and eat that every day. No, I mean, the Bible says it has some value, right? But don't put all your hope in your physical health. Don't work so hard on, on, on your 501s and your retirements and, 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 and your finances. The Bible says, well, you're going you're gonna to pass away and someone else will take responsibility for that. Right? So you see, we all have to build our lives on something. And Jesus points out, what are you hungry for? Because if you're hungry for me, I am the bread of life. I can satisfy all things, not just in this life, but in the life to come. And all of this, Jesus is saying, behold, I am the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Friends, Jesus dealt once and for all with the sin 
in our lives, but the sin in the world. It doesn't mean that we're done choosing to not stop sinning. We have to choose Jesus every day. When we stop, when we choose Jesus over sin, when we choose Jesus over ourselves, when we choose to to move towards Jesus as the bread of life, rather than trying to fill ourselves with other things, we will come and see him in whole new different ways. And I want you to know that lights will turn on your life that you never knew existed. This is his promise. Aaron, when Kai was born, you guys have heard my awkward, my, my, my opening parenting stories. When Kai was born, I just said to the Lord, God, you're going to have to raise him. You're going to have to raise him. That doesn't mean I'm hands off. That doesn't mean, hey, you know, I, I checked, you know, checked out the very next day. But what did happen in that moment is, is I've noticed that, that so far, Parenting has been a real blessing so far, right? I didn't know for the past nine years how God was going to bring him friends. Um, Kai was out yesterday uh, selling candy. So they made a candy store and he woke up this morning. He woke up early and, and I'm like, I'm like, what are you doing today, son? He's like, he's, he's like, I got to go to work, dad. They, they made 20 bucks yesterday selling candy on the, on the street corner. I, I'm lucky the police didn't come and shut him down. All right. He's like, I get up and go to work, dad. And then he goes, they don't pay me enough to do this job. <laughs> but I see this and I treasure it in my heart because I didn't know. I didn't know how, you know, I see this and I'm like, you're right, God, I can trust you. You're right. You just shared this morning. You want to know what I heard you share this morning? God, I can trust you. God, I can trust you. See, to conclude this, we have grown up in a society where everything's all about this, this large, publicized football game. That if you're not good enough, you don't play. You, it, it, the world's okay with you being a placeholder. I want you to know this. The world's okay with you being a placeholder. Maybe you're not tall enough, fast enough, strong enough. Maybe you just don't fit in. But I want you to know as a follower of Jesus, you don't fit in but you fit in to a very different place. And that's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, everyone has something to do. Everyone has a task. Everyone has something to contribute. Everyone is invited into that participation of life. No one gets sidelined in eternity. No one. Everyone's famous in heaven. Everyone's famous. So as we leave this morning, the invitation is this. My friends, all we have to do is choose it. We have to believe in who Christ is, believe who he said he was, and we have to choose it. And, and I think it's Matthew that at one moment, and, and this is a great prayer for you. And, and I'm going to be honest. I think this prayer will change your life, right? Jesus asked, I believe, a centurion. Justin, help me out here. Centurion who, who had a sick child, and, 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 and he said, Simply asked him, Jesus said, do you believe? And he says, and he said, I believe this is in the Bible. I believe. Help me in my unbelief. My friends, start there.
Jesus, I believe you. Help me in my unbelief. It's called faith. It's called faith. And I want you to know there's no guilt in that. See, this sin has, has put a deep partition in our souls. But you can choose Jesus even though you're struggling to believe. Jesus, I choose you. I feel this. I feel tempted. I feel swayed. I feel afraid. But Paul says, that's my flesh. I'm not going to let that reign in me. I'm going to choose Jesus. I choose you. And the Bible said, at that moment, his son was healed. And if I remember my scriptures clearly, Jesus said that he had not seen a greater faith than this. Am I right? Those of you who know your scriptures. My friends, it's okay to struggle. But that's a sin in us. What we must not struggle with is the declaration that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we must struggle to choose him over and over and over. We're moving into a time in our society that you are going to be asked. You're going to be confronted. You're going to be asked who you trust, what you believe. You're going to be asked to stand on truth. We're just there. It's going to happen. We have to choose Jesus. We have to choose Jesus. Father God, we uh, worship you and we thank you in every way. We recognize that you are the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Father, I just want, we want to confess our sin to you. We want to confess our unbelief to you. We want to confess that, that, that sometimes we come to you for just bread. We come to you just, just, just to be whole. And we hear you saying to us that you are what we want. Sometimes, how silly to go to Jesus and ask him for, 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 for Olive Garden takeaway. When he says, what you're actually after is me. And Jesus says, if you come to me, I'll show you. I won't let you leave empty. I won't let you leave hungry. I, he says, I am the bread of life. I am the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. As you leave this morning, know that, that you're forgiven. Know that anything that you struggle with this morning, I want you to know is common is common to man. The scriptures say it. It's written in James. You struggle. What you struggle with, I struggle with. None of us struggle alone. We all struggle with the exact same thing. So the enemy comes and tells you that you're the only one struggling with it. It is a lie straight from the depths of hell. That Jesus has come to, to overcome. So know that you are loved. That Christ came to pay the price to pay the debt so that we can be healed, so that we can be ushered into this thing called life. Yeah, Jesus, only you know what this means. And you reveal it to us. And, and Holy Spirit, I ask you to work in our lives today and throughout the week and, and, and until the very end, that we would never stop seeing who you are and that we would have these testimonies day after day of how you're changing our lives from the inside out. We just want to lay down our lives to you. We want to repent.
We want to choose you over sin. We want to choose the bread of life over our next meal. One will never fade away. Let me worship you and thank you for that. To the God, all glory. Have a great week. Amen.